welcome to the Stop to Think podcast. This is Chandler, and in this episode, we're going to finally wrap up our uh, little mini-series on futuristic infrastructure, I guess. Futuristic cities. So, last episode was a bonus episode, as is this episode. In the original series, we covered underground cities, lunar cities, cities on the moon, and then um, underwater cities. In last week's, or last episode at least, I don't know if it will actually end up being last week's or not. In the last episode, we um, talked about flying cities and um, kind of closed with a remark about how a practical place where flying cities would make sense is on Venus where you'd have a ring around the planet where the atmospheric pressure is similar to earth if you're high enough above the ground and at that point flying cities could potentially exist without like humans needing pressure suits you'd still need like oxygen and protective coverings but you wouldn't need to worry about getting crushed by the atmosphere or anything like that but um venus aside the last type of futuristic city that isn't like a whole entire classification category of its own would be um, space station cities. So I think um, there's a number of ways we could take this, but we're going to stick to just doing a generic overview with like near term technology in mind. So, of all the cities we've talked about so far, space station cities are actually the most technologically complicated to pull off. And the reason for that is mostly because in addition to all the problems you have with the other cities, with space station cities, you have the added difficulty of zero-G environments. So underwater, you still have gravity. Underground, you still have gravity. If you're flying above the planet, you still have gravity. And if you're on the moon, you still have gravity. If you're in a space station, you no longer have gravity unless you're generating it artificially. And humans do not do very well in the absence of gravity. It has extremely large health impacts uh we kind of talked about um how just like a couple episodes back when we were doing the moon base series we talked about how just um growing up on the moon and then moving to earth would be a traumatic experience well imagine growing up with zero gravity period and then going somewhere where there is just a little gravity like we don't as a human species we don't even know yet if it's possible for human babies to successfully develop in zero g environments like it's never been done before we have no idea if it would work and we have no idea like what the health ramifications would be for that child so with that in mind um as far as space cities go there's generally a couple of tiers We have the low tier, which is where we're at right now, which is where technologically speaking, what we could do is we could basically make a ginormous international space station and call it a space city. 
So basically we um put a bunch of stuff in orbit, uh, we slab it all together, and we have people living up there in zero G. Now, as I just finished mentioning moments ago, that zero G environment is like detrimental for human health. So I don't know if I'd really call this a city. Technically, it could be lived in like a city and you could have a certain amount of people hanging around there. But by and large, it would not be what I would consider uh, an environment that someone would want to live in for a long term uh, amount of time. Not sure if we were um, housing people in space cities. There's a decent chance that necessity would foster innovation that would maybe ease some of the issues with space cities at this point. But um, as it currently stands, a low tier space based space station style city would not be a good place to be. And the reason why we don't really see them at this point is because they're super expensive. You got to put everything in orbit to get the space station city there in the first place. You have to have a certain amount of training. You have all the same problems you have on your moon base where you have to keep the air in and space out. And then top of that, you have your zero G situation going on too, where you are going to have long-term health consequences for hanging out in your space city. So with all of that in mind, a space city with current technology isn't really a good idea. But it does have a significant amount of economic benefits, namely in terms of like research kind of research. And then there's obviously strategic benefits to having a city in space and you're kind of above everything that's going on in Earth in the literal and the figurative sense. And so because of these reasons, because of these advantages of research, that's why we do probably have International Space Station because the exceedingly massive costs of it can be justified due to the benefits. But another thing that you probably wouldn't think of when you're thinking of space cities is in addition to having to deal with um, keeping the air in, keeping space out and the zero gravity, you also have to worry about cooling because in space, since there's no atmosphere, you don't have convective cooling like you do on Earth, which means heat has a tendency to accumulate, which means that your space station, if it doesn't have radiators, well, you're going to heat up and die, basically. You're going to cook yourself. So that would be an example of like a low tier space city is just a, an enhanced version of the Interna International Space Station where basically have a bunch of buildings slapped together and an orbit around the planet. The um, mid-tier level space city would basically be like an O'Neill cylinder, I think is what they're called. I'd have to look to double check that name, but actually I will quickly give it a Google just so I'm not misleading you guys with my mutterings. O'Neill Cylinder. Yes. O'Neill Cylinder is in fact what it's called. So I wasn't off the mark there. So mid-tier space cities, you have like artificial constructs, which are not unlike the domes that you would see on 
featured in your underwater cities. And basically like an O'Neill cylinder is where you basically build a space station that is a very large cylinder and then you rotate the cylinder around its central axis and this rotation creates centrifugal force which axes your gravity to basically hold people down to the inside wall of your cylinder as it rotates. Building something like this would be a significant engineering challenge and it would best be attempted once we've mastered like lunar lunar mining or asteroid mining because the amount of resources it would take to put something up there. Like we're talking, these cylinders are usually like on the order of like kilometers long. Kilometers long, kilometers in diameter. Like we're talking a very big structure. And um, with the mid-tier space city like this you solve your gravity problem through rotation so that's good at least but um your downside is that your infrastructure costs and the technology required to build something like this is so great that it's you're well outside of the uh, bounds of what piddly old humankind can currently do and then you you still have Although you've solved the gravity problem, you still have like heating and cooling and atmospheric management and then resource transportation. Cause as an with with an O'Neill cylinder, you your economic you don't really have much of an economic output. Like tourism, once again, is a viable option. Cause people would probably kill to come and see something like that. Just like people will pay millions of dollars to go to the International Space Station. But um at the same time unless you like are like your cylinders floating through asteroid belts and you're capturing asteroids and manufacturing like if you if you're taking in resources and manufacturing stuff in an O'Neill cylinder that's potentially like a viable option for um you know having like an industrial output but at the same time um you're going to be largely dependent on earth or other communities to provide your food needs. Cause with an O'Neill cylinder, um, if you're going to be self-sufficient, a lot of your internal surface area is going to have to go to like plant growth and that kind of stuff. And you also, when you're working with like a uh, space station, like even with our lunar cities, there's a, decent amount of like space dangers you have to worry about like you have radiation exposure which would be an issue with an O'Neill cylinder and as well as a space station and micrometeorites and all that stuff and so the technological complexity is substantially geared up compared to just even just a space station style city but um beyond all that good stuff um an advantage to an O'Neill cylinder city if you can get it self-sufficient. Like obviously with um, a space station sized city or a space station technology style city, you can kind of get away with powering it with solar panels, but that's just barely cutting it. 
realistically like some sort of nuclear energy like a nuclear reactor or nuclear fusion would be ideal for that kind of situation once you're talking on the order of magnitude of like an o'neill cylinder you could potentially do a lot of your energy production through um external solar panels on the outside of your cylinder but i feel like you'd also want to have like nuclear reactors or some sort of like backup power because when you're operating in cylinder mode you're kind of limited to the amount of surface area you can expose to the sun while rotating so basically like a little less than half of your cylinder is always going to be in direct sunlight depending on your exact orientation it might be possible to have none of your cylinder sidewalls in direct sunlight which is probably what you'd have to do if you want to have like a day night cycle but um with that being said, with Space City Mega Constructs, an O'Neill cylinder is probably the easiest one to build. Easy being a relative term here. Obviously, you can scale those up to bigger constructs that are more impressive and have more fancy stuff going on. But at that point, you start to get like extremely out there in terms of cost. And although we're not really going to talk about it, I guess your tier three style space cities would be like things like halo rings, pretty much like where you build like artificial worlds that people can live on and that can move through space and that kind of stuff. But at that point, you probably have artificial gravity figured out through science stuff or something like that. And you don't have to worry about spinning it. But that's so insanely far beyond human technology at present that there's no point in us discussing it, really. So. We're trying to stick to kind of like near future, like around the edge type of possibilities. So for near future around the edge, we currently with current technology could probably build a space station style city. It would be buggy as hell. It would have a lot of problems. Life there would not be. It'd be fun because of the other features, but overall your quality of life would be kind of sucky. But it's feasible in maybe a couple hundred years something like an o'neill cylinder style space station or maybe some sort of rotating spoke wing style who knows like what the actual design that would be optimal would become a that who knows what the optimal design that would be concocted would be but um that's at least within the realm of possibility within the near future of humanity and so in either case your advantage to having these cylinder constructs and people living in them and having cities based off of them is basically you're no longer tied to the planet. You have complete control over your climate and your cylinder and you're portable completely. Like you could potentially, if you're, if you have enough propulsion, if you have technology to facilitate enough propulsion, you could, load up an O'Neill cylinder with people and you could fly it off to like Jupiter or something like that and set up camp orbiting the planet and just hanging out there. Like with a self-sufficient O'Neill cylinder style city or other similar construct, you could basically say F it to the rest of humankind and you and the half a million people you like the most in the world could take off and go hang out somewhere in the solar system. If you 
I don't think you could really leave the solar system just because of like the limitations of our current propulsion technology and like assuming you had nuclear fusion figured out just still an upper limit to the amount of energy that can be reduced by that which is the limiting factor is basically the amount of water you have access to and there'd be a finite amount of water that you could carry so there'd be a finite distance that you could travel so I don't think journeys on the orders of light years would be feasible. Although maybe they would, I guess there's probably a couple of solar systems that were within like what, five light years of us or something like that. So you could potentially go there and if you get up to like 25% of the speed of light, um, four years to light years. So four times five, 20 years to get somewhere that's within a human life. So that might be feasible at least. Realistically, though, you'd probably want to be able to go significantly faster than 25% the speed of light so that you could spend the initial half portion of your journey speeding up and the other half portion slowing down so that you don't have any insane accelerations or anything like that. And I guess that's another option for O'Neill cylinders or uh, space construct, constructs in general. If you, if you have the unlimited energy source or something like that, like uh, nuclear fusion power, you could potentially provide gravity to any geometry just by accelerating at one G per second. And then um, basically slowing down at one G per second and then accelerating at one G per second and then slowing down at one G per second indefinitely during your uh, acceleration change period, you'd have to um, reorient your, your space vehicle during which you'd have changing force directions, which would like potentially either throw you off your feet or give you a temporary senses of weightlessness. It would not be ideal to be changing direction really. So your best bet definitely is the spinning until someone can figure out that fancy artificial gravity technology. So with all of that said, The benefits, I'm probably understating because O'Neill cylinders and those style of space stations are far enough ahead that we haven't fully realized like the possibilities. Like, um, there's this theory, I think, or um, I'm not sure if it's a theory. I vaguely recall reading a book, and I'm not sure what the title of that book is now, of course, but... In that book, the author basically talks about how like innovation is kind of like a function of like the adjacent possibilities. So like for an example, if you're a medieval, I guess like, like um, day labor peasant, medieval peasant, and you're busy every day just like growing crops it's pretty hard for you to imagine airplanes because that's so far beyond your like realm of adjacent possibilities but um once you get an airplane it's not too hard to imagine space travel and so on and so forth once you get space travel you can begin imagining travel outside the solar system and that kind of stuff so from the perspective of someone who is currently sitting in a living room firmly anchored to the earth 
the possibilities and opportunities that would be associated with like an O'Neill cylinder style space city probably aren't too apparent to me. So I'm probably missing a lot of low hanging fruit just because we're not there yet. And I haven't spent a significant amount of time thinking about it, but, um, I would think that one of the big advantages is that um, in addition to being able to control your own climate, you could essentially manufacture these things. And basically that means you can manufacture space. And basically that means that so long as you can get all of the resources to make it, you don't necessarily have a constricted amount of land available anymore. So the human population wouldn't necessarily have to be tethered to the carrying capacity of the earth. We could basically, as long as you could build more cylinders, you could have as many people float, floating around as you want. And that would do wonders for ensuring humanity's survival because if we had O'Neill cylinders floating around the solar system, in various places far out of the reaches of earth and its geopolitics geopolitics it's messy situations we'll say if earth decided to go nuclear and blow itself up because of some fit of stupidity led by some egotistical world leaders who are morons then at least humanity would continue thriving out in the vacuum of space safe in their little o'neill cylinders hanging out doing their thing Whereas currently, if some world leader does something stupid, well, we're all stuck on the planet for the most part, and so there's not going to be any survivors. And like, just thinking about it right now, I would think that an O'Neill cylinder style space city would be even cooler than the flying space city or the flying cities we talked about last episode. Because I'm picturing right now, um, just imagine waking up on the inside of your cylinder and going outside and looking up and seeing like the moons of Jupiter or like Neptune or Pluto or something like that. Like you could theoretically put these in orbit around any astronomical body in the solar system. Like you could put them in direct orbit around the sun. You could put them around Mars. You could put them around Jupiter. You could put them around Jupiter's moons. You could put them around Saturn. Possibilities are endless. You could basically set up camp anywhere where you can, um, assuming you're self-sufficient, literally anywhere. Like if you can basically generate all that you need to survive within your own O'Neill cylinder, well then you can go wherever the heck you want so long as you can meet your energy needs. If you can't do that, then basically you're limited to wherever you can get resupply mints at uh, whatever interval you need to keep the lights on and things running. But um, the possibilities would basically be endless. But there's, it's not without a massive amount of risk because with an O'Neill cylinder, you basically have a giant cylinder that is airtight and trying to keep radiation and space debris on the outside. And if that ruptures, well, you have a vacuum situation. If you can't, you'd have to have a cylinder that's like self-clogging. And then you'd also, clogging is in like, it'd have to be self-repairing for when it gets hit by like space debris and crap like that. 
and you'd have to also make sure you're avoiding the larger space debris. And if anyone decides to be wary in this type of environment while you're dealing with mass casualties, could just imagine a terrorist attack where someone shoots a cruise missile into the side of one of these cylinders. That would probably make a hole that's too big to patch immediately, which would most likely result in like millions of people dying, potentially, whoever's living on the inside of the cylinder. On the positive side, though, if you're talking about a structure that's kilometers in scale, perhaps it would have a certain degree of like uh, munitions resistance, for lack of a better term. That is to say, like, um, I suppose if you're dealing with a O'Neill cylinder that's a kilometer in diameter, you probably have at least like maybe five to 50 meters of like surface walls, wall surface on the outside. Depends on the engineering requirements of your design, I suppose, but 50 meters of steel structure would have a decent amount of blast resistance. So you might not be quite as fragile as one would imagine right off the bat, but still comparatively high risk, but also high reward because you're basically at, at the point where you got the O'Neill cylinders down, you're pretty much in like some sort of sci-fi future at that point. Like you have made it and your society is in gravy land. You're off earth, you're doing your own thing. And um, the book Seven Eves comes to mind. I um, got the audiobook for that probably about two years ago now, I think and listen to it. And that kind of covers both of these cities to a certain extent. I don't want to spoil it for you guys, but I highly recommend you read it because it made me think things that I'd never thought before. And it was incredibly interesting. But um, initially they start out with a space city, like the one we talked about where you're basically an upgraded version of the ISS strapped together, a bunch of modules and call it a city. And towards the end of the book, they eventually get to the point where they do have like O'Neill cylinder style habitats and massive constructs that people are living in. So that's kind of like the spectrum of what's in the near future for human possibility if we get our crap together and stop messing around with the stupid stuff, namely uh, killing each other and squabbling. But um, yeah, in general, like both cases, both cases of space cities have uncountable, innumerable technical challenges that would have to be overcome to successfully implement them. And they're of a scale, the likes of which has never been conceived or tried before in human history. Like, I don't think we even really have buildings that are like a kilometer in diameter, much less like multiple kilometers long. Kilometers, kilometers. I wonder what the right way to say that is. I've always thought it was kilometers, but because kilo is in the unit and then meters, but I guess I don't know. Anyway, that's pretty much all I have to say about the um, space cities. They're far out there. The uh, low level tier ones are 
technically possible, but wouldn't be fun to live in because of like no gravity and tight quarters and all that stuff. And um, the high level ones would actually be pretty cool, but they're way out there in terms of technical, technical requirements to actually make them happen. So I guess with that, um, we'll wrap it up for this episode. Thank you for listening. And thank you for listening to this whole entire series about um, unique infrastructure. Um, hope you guys have a great day and that you enjoyed it. So uh, thank you again for listening and we'll talk to you later.